Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. They haven't won a World Series in a century or so. So what? They're here. Every April, they're here. The 105 or 705, there is a game. If it gets rained out, guess what? They make it up to you. Does anyone else in your life do that? It's time for Hit and Run. Don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascists. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. Cubs and White Sox conversation every Sunday morning till Cubs first pitch. Any bet against my Sox this series is a sucker bet. Of course, I'm not a gambling man. Hosted by Matt Spiegel. I want the absolute truth here. Are you 100%? Yeah, what I about something like that you better you want to make this team connecting with you the baseball fanatic there's no crying in baseball no crying hit and run on sports radio 670 the score 670 the score.com and the radio.com app thank you eli hershkovich our producer for the fine production on that open love uh Little eight men out in there here in our 100th anniversary of the 1919 Black Sox, and uh, and the base uh, the this week in baseball theme, the Twib theme, because you know it's a weekly show and we talk about baseball. And there was a sh- TV show called This Week in Baseball that I'm sure a lot of you remember. And if you don't, it was awesome. Um, how long until I get sued if I just use the This Week in Baseball theme to open every show? I think we're looking at next week. You think so? If I use that to open every show, and did we grab, do we have the closing theme for later on? We've got the where I always imagine Pete Rose diving headfirst into third base. So if we use the TWIB opening theme and the TWIB closing theme, you say one week before getting sued? No way. No, I'm going to give us a month. Solid month of usage, even with the mentions right here. You got the over, I got the under. <laughs> All right. Well, unsurprisingly, a gambling angle from Eli. Good morning, everybody. It is me, Matt Spiegel. It is hit and run on Sunday mornings. I love being here. I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I didn't expect to be here uh, You know, a while ago. Spent some time last year being bitter, resenting things, being grumpy about professional things. That felt awful. That, that was horrific. Resentment, uh, I was once told by Carrie Fisher in a one-woman show, and I think she was just kind of echoing some ancient history. She said, resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Oh, that's good. So uh, cynicism was fought off. I refused it, pushed it away. Life is too precious, right? Happiness is more productive. Optimism is practical. That applies to baseball, too. Most managers will tell you that. That Most players will tell you that you got to be in a good headspace. And uh, this opportunity presented itself, this Sunday morning opportunity. And I want to thank Mitch Rosen, who's been very, very good to me uh, along the way for years, actually. And um, he has agreed to uh, let me do this show that I've always dreamed of. Sunday mornings, baseball, let's roll. This, um, this show is, is mine and yours, and I'm looking forward to it. This show is mine. There are many like it, but this one is mine. 
much like my rifle. Um, baseball is life. Baseball's been one of my principal passions forever. We'll share some of those stories along the way. Maybe I'll give you one story now, just in case you didn't know, before we move on to the matters at hand. When I was a kid, my older brother, Bobby, who's nine years older, um, painted Fenway Park on his wall of his basement. Okay? So I was about four uh, and five years old looking at this. He painted the park, and he had the field there. And he put, he taped up little uh, slots for baseball cards at all the defensive positions. And he collected all the cards, and as teams would play, he would put the baseball cards of the players in the positions. He also had slots on the base paths. He had a chalkboard where he wrote down the lineups of the game, and he would listen to games on the radio and move the baseball cards around the wall as the game went on. And I'm like four and five years old looking up at this. It's ridiculous, right? Stuck with with me forever. Now we all have fantasy lineups. Maybe you play daily fantasy. Uh, I used to play something called Dynasty or Pursue the Pennant where you roll a 10-sided dice, a 10-sided die, and it like tells you what the results are on the card based on last year's stats. Like hardcore dorking, dorking out in baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, let, let, let's continue to do that. Let's continue to do that together, shall we? Uh, reaction from you guys, from, uh, from listeners, from friends, et cetera, to the announcement has been overwhelming, truly kind, encouraging, and deeply appreciated. So let's have great conversation. Let's learn stuff about baseball. Let's, uh, let's admit that there can be two disparate truths that exist at the same time about a lot of issues in this game. This game confounds the smartest people in our industry. And now it's like all the business majors and the finance geniuses and the numbers wonks are added in to the, to the, the athletic folks and everybody's mixed in together. And some people still make mistakes. Sometimes you have incredibly smart, accomplished people standing in front or sitting in front of the media like Theo Epstein did yesterday saying, it's my fault. It's, it's on me. Yeah, don't blame the resources. Blame the allocation of resources. Understand that this is a very complicated, difficult uh, thing to do well on both sides of town in any market. And, um, and let's be kind to each other along the way as we have conversation. What do you say? Let's give it a shot. So it'll be uh, me solo for the most part um, in the first hour talking to you guys, uh, and then starting about 10 o'clock, just about every week, we will, in fact, every week, we'll have a guest co-host. Today, Ryan Dempster's coming in. Very much looking forward to hanging out with Ryan for an hour and a half or so. Um, and he will be here, and we'll talk all kinds of stuff. This year's season, some of his Cubs past, uh, life at the MLB Network. I want to know what parlor tricks Dempster breaks out. Were you guys watching the broadcast last night? Did you see John Smoltz in the accordion? John Smoltz's father and mother both play the accordion. They wanted him. If you heard his Hall of Fame speech, they dreamed of him being an accordion player. He let them down by being a Hall of Fame baseball player. So I, I want to know if, if Smoltz is walking around, if Smoltz is walking around MLB Network playing the accordion, what's Dempster doing? Card tricks? Something. Everybody's got to have a something. Uh, so Dempster will be here uh, in studio at 10. Uh, Chris Kampka, who is the great statistician from NBC Sports Chicago and makes discoveries all week long regarding the Cubs and Sox, will join us uh, for a quickie at 945 as he's going to do most of uh, the season, as a matter of fact. Looking forward very much to his collaboration on some stuff here along the way. 
Uh, and Tyler Kepner from the New York Times, who's got a real interesting new baseball book as well. One of our favorite national writers, and he's, got a, he's, he's been delving into, uh, into baseball, into pitching, really, for the most part, in this, in this book. And we'll talk to him at about 1140. We'll take you up until Cubs pregame, which is what, 1235 today? Every week, uh, we'll take you up until that. We don't know exactly when that'll be every week, unless you, of course, looked at the schedule, which is something we could do. Um, all right, news of the day. Uh, first of all, Lucas Giolito looked awful yesterday. It looked awful. And it was so disappointing because not just results-wise, but mechanically, it looked like a regression for Giolito. Falling off the mound, he's walking four guys, he's falling behind in the count, he's leaving fastballs up and over the plate. Looked like last year's Lucas Giolito. And that sucked to see because he had been so good in spring and then so good his first start in Kansas City. And I had high hopes. And I almost, in my fantasy league, dropped you Darvish yesterday to pick up Lucas Giolito, which is telling in and of itself, right, that it was even something that would be considered. But I didn't. I hung on to, to you. I'll give him at least one more start. Before I had uh, consider cutting bait there, and I'm glad I didn't get Giolito. So disappointing. He's just. I was talking about it a little bit with Kevin, um, with with Kevin Zipak as as he left the studio this morning. Giolito's just so big and so lanky and so long, and it's hard to keep it under control. And it wasn't under control yesterday. But the glory of Tim Anderson rolls on. That is just a, a burgeoning face of that franchise. Um, maturing on and off the field, a young veteran, and hitting the hell out of the ball right now. Yuan Moncada's breakout is the best baseball story in town. It is. And it gives Eloy Jimenez some cover as he gets comfortable and you don't expect too much from Eloy. Just, you know, show up, do your thing, be as good as you can. But Yuan Moncada's breakout is the best baseball story in town. The Cubs, meanwhile, changed the storyline for one day. They, they win 14-8. to eight. Jason Hayward on base five times. Two homers, both on high fastballs. I, I got to tell you, by the way, the guy I love watching right now on the Cubs, I love watching him hit, is Schwarber. Are you watching Kyle Schwarber right now? Locked in. See ball, hit ball. He's one of those guys who can get overwhelmed by the ref, the massive amounts of information that is available to you. He has admitted as much before. Rizzo has mentioned it once before on Kyle Schwarber's behalf. For some guys, even with all the info out there, simplicity is better. You got to know who those guys are on your team. I think Schwarber's one of those guys. A glorious moment, speaking of Rizzo and why he's just the best. He's like my favorite hitter in town. The B-hack, the glory of the B-hack, the adjusted swing with two strikes last night, bases loaded. He doesn't, he's not trying to, to, to rake one over the shift and hit it out of the park for a grand slam. Totally willing to, to choke up, as always, just kind of place the ball down the left field line, drive in two runs, stand there at second base. Looks glorious on the stat sheet. And, just you know, more guys need to learn from him. That is the model of what you want. All those situational hitting drills, uh, all of the different hitting coaches who have been brought in to really teach the same nuanced message. 
Try to try to hit the ball out of the park, and then when you, if you don't, then adjust, please, and keep rallies going. Can you do that for us? Can you have a little bad control? Can you sacrifice a little bit? Can you be a little more selfless? Rizzo does it for you every single at-bat. Watch A 2-2 from the Milwaukee right-hander, Wilson. Rizzo lines one down the left field line. Base hit. Possible backbreaker. One run is in. Here comes Zobras to score. Holding at third is Descalso. Two-run double. Anthony Rizzo. Cubs lead 10-5. to That's what you want. That's what you want. You want more guys with that approach. It's how the Red Sox won the World Series. Beating Dodgers pitchers, it's, it's, it's how the best get it done. The offense is not the issue. 14 runs. Ah, the problems are still there. Bullpen has a 9.51 ERA. The Cubs have given up 25 runs in the 7th and 8th innings alone. 25 runs in the 7th and 8th. There are 7 different teams in baseball who have not given up 25 runs total. On the year... They've given up 25 in the 7th and 8th. Last night, Randy Rosario and Alan Webster both given up three-run homers last night. And before we take your calls, as we're going to do every week, uh, and read your texts, as we will do every week, the principal issue for the Cubs is this. It is a swing-and-miss league, and the Cubs do not have a swing-and-miss pitching staff. Sometimes numbers that you're not accustomed to can overwhelm. I know a lot of you are accustomed to all sorts of numbers. If you're not, I'm not going to overwhelm you with numbers, but certain things are, are intuitive and they make sense like this contact rate. Okay. That is, you know, the, the rate at which hitters make contact against your, your pitchers. The Cubs are the fifth worst in MLB as a pitching staff and contact rate. That's 78.7%. Fifth worst in baseball. Four of the best five in baseball are the Indians, Yankees, Brewers, Astros, and Rays. That's actually five of the best six. Those are five of the best six teams uh, in baseball that you can expect to see. See, last year the Cubs' contact rate was 11th. Not great. Bottom third. The same teams I just mentioned, they led the league in lowest contact rate. Indians, Yankees, Brewers, Astros, Rays. Swinging strike percentage, which, sound, which is exactly what it sounds like. The Cubs pitching staff is 28th out of 30 in swinging strike percentage. Last year, they were 24th out of 30. These were the best teams in baseball last year at swinging strike percentage. You ready? Tell me which ones were playoff teams. Astros. Yankees. Indians. Dodgers, Rays weren't, but they were real close. The Phillies weren't, but they had a great run and were real close. The D-backs also got close. The Braves were in. The Red Sox won the World Series. And the Brewers, those are the best teams in swinging strike percentage last year. Cubs were 24th. It's amazing that Cubs pitching was good enough as they pitched to weak contact and had good defense. And this year, hard contact rate, 46%. The overall hard contact rate. They, it's the second worst pitching staff in Major League Baseball in hard contact rate. The whole league is full of swing and miss pitchers, power pitchers, making guys miss, getting strikeouts. And that trend is up even this year as compared to last year and the year before that and the year before that. I saw Jason Stark had a thing before the year began where strikeouts have risen, I believe it's every year of the last 14 strikeouts have risen in Major League Baseball. 
No stat in the history of the game has ever risen 14 years in a row. Not home runs, not walks, nothing has ever jumped every single year. That's the league. That's what it is. You see it. And the Cubs pitching staff does not have guys who do that. So are they going to recover and have a real good year? They're going to need to outslug teams, folks, just like what you're watching. You're going to need some of those 14 to 8 games, some of those 10 to 7 games. And uh, there's just not a lot of power arms in there, and it, it could kill them. Maybe not. Hopefully not. We'll see. Be a lot more fun to be leading into to games all year long with a contending Cubs team. It is very early, as you know. It is uh, now. What are they? It's uh, they're two and two and six, right? Mm-hmm. Two and six. So eight games in, they are basically to use the football comp in the early fourth quarter of game number one of the football season. They're down like twenty to seven early in the fourth of game one of the football season. So is the season over? No, of course not. But. It's been difficult. It's been awkward. Theo Epstein commented on it yesterday. We'll play some of that for you when we come back on 670 The Score. And your phone call is coming up. Matt in Bloomington, right on the south side. You guys are up soon. And uh, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If and when you want to hop in, you can text us at 67011. It is hit and run. Ryan Dempster in at the top of the hour. Chris Kampka before that. I'm Matt Spiegel. Welcome back in on Sunday mornings on The Score. Tom Ricketts is not the problem. It's not a resource issue. And I know he's another one who's been taking a lot of heat. It's it's not not the it's not a resource problem. If people have a problem with the allocation of resources, then that's me, and it has been ever since I got here. So, with a lot of good and some bad. Oof! Theo Epstein sitting down in the dugout before yesterday's game in Milwaukee. Before the script was flipped, even if just for one day. Man, point at me. Point at me. Here's a little more Theo Epstein. You're listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. This is Theo before the game yesterday. It's a team-wide issue, and we know we have to play better ball, but just sort of like search for magic bullets or scapegoats, that's, I don't think that's that's really productive. I understand it, but, you know, um, it's ultimately it's all my responsibility. You know, how we play on the field, um, the talent that we have, um, the direction we're headed. So um, I think... And yet I'm not in it alone. I, you know, thank God. We have really talented people here. We have great players that we trust, and we're all going to be part of pulling out of this. Ah, the search for scapegoats. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. There's only so many hours that sports radio can try to fill there, Theo, as you look around. But there's a lot, right? You could look at Tom Ricketts, as he said. Where did the baseball budget go? Theo there telling you, don't point at Tom. Point at the allocation of resources. Okay. Um, Tommy Hadovy, he's an extension of the, the, the front office. That's your new pitching coach. Is he overwhelmed from trying to deal with these guys? Does he have enough? Theo saying he's a big part of the solution. He's not the problem. Point at me. Well, okay. We have to. And a lot of you have. And I have. And we have no choice to. If Carl Crawford was the worst free agent signing in the history of the Boston Red Sox in terms of Theo's run... Then you Darvish is so far the worst free agent signing in the history of the Cubs, especially in terms of Theo's run. It's hugely damaging. Some of that is already true no matter what. Last year was a year in the middle of your winning window, and you got absolutely nothing out of a gigantic investment. You cannot change that story. That happened. It's gone. Here you are now. 
and you must get more out of him. Tyler Chatwood is a DFA waiting to happen that's designated for assignment, like what they did with Brian Dunsing. Nobody claimed Brian Dunsing, so they sent him down to the minors. He remains an option. It's possible nobody will claim Tyler Chatwood, and you can send him down to the minors if you want. But that is, it, it is a disaster. Last night was Jason Hayward's best um, offensive start. A texture was saying, is that his best entire offensive game? I mean, he's had bigger moments like the, uh, was it a grand slam, the walk-off grand slam last year before Bodie had his? But, I mean, that was awesome to watch Hayward on base five times last night, stealing a couple bases. He needs to do that, though, because uh, defensively it's been bumpy for Jason Hayward, including one last night that he let get over his head that landed on the warning track. It's like, what are you doing? But then he got on base five times. It's okay. But, yeah, okay, Theo. Yeah, we, we, we will point at you. We have to point at you. Have to point at the acquisitions. Have to point at trading Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for Jose Quintana, who has not been what a lot of people thought he would be. And let the record show, and it's okay to admit this, I liked most of those moves when they happened. Tyler Chatwood with that great spin rate on the curveball, get him outside of Coors Field, let's go. Oh, can't find the plate. All right. You Darvish, they jumped uh, on the financial situation of last year's inactive market. Got a jump when there wasn't going to be a lot of free agent pitchers next year. Ended up grabbing. They think they can fix the, the pitch tipping that was an issue in the World Series. All right, let's go. Disaster so far. Jose Quintana, he's, he's John Lester. It's the same stuff as John Lester. He's going to age the same way. It's going to be the same level of effectiveness. Uh-oh. Seems to be missing a little something that John Lester has. You know what Lester has? Toughness. Mental resolve. I don't know Quintana well enough, but I, I look forward to talking about that kind of stuff with Dempster. Like the, the mental strength that it takes to be consistently very good as a starting pitcher when you know you might not have your best stuff, when you know there's great hitters up there against or whatever, whatever that is, John Lester has it. I don't know if Jose Quintana does. So, all right, Theo. Um, thank you for the direction that you have pointed the listeners, that you have pointed us. It is indeed on you. And he can take it because, like he said, a lot of good and some bad. Yeah, there's a lot of good. You guys remember that time they won the World Series? It's 670 the score. It's Matt Spiegel with you. This is Hit and Run on Sunday mornings. This is Matt in Bloomington first up on the score. What's up, Matt? Good morning. Hey, good morning, Speeds. How are you, man? Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. I'm good. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of chime in on sort of the allocation of resources. And I don't want to just pile on Theo. I mean, there's a lot of good, obviously, that he's done, too. But when you consider trades, I mean, part of what made the Arietta trade so great is because they also acquired the international slot money from Baltimore. Yes. And turn, and turn that into boys Eloy Jimenez and uh, Glaber Torres. Now, on the flip side, when you look at the Quintana deal, part of why I did not like that is because – in my opinion, you trade the caliber of prospects they gave up to it for a top of the rotation starter. You know, Quintana maybe is a three at best, probably more like a four. And then on top of that, you know, I understand the fact that okay, he had a very cost control team friendly deal. Yeah, that's a huge factor. That's a huge factor, Matt. Oh. Right. Because because they, they they called it like a double a double signing. It was going to the the economic flexibility allowed them to go out and get Darvish. Uh, the economic flexibility of Quintana's contract allowed them to go out and get Darvish. The problem is they've both underwhelmed. 
Right, and I, that was actually going to be my next point. As part of what made that that deal so bad is because not only you know do they only get a three or four starter for those level prospects, but then they turn that additional allocation of resources into the likes of Darvish, Chatwood, Morrow. So you know they they really didn't cash in on any of the I guess advantages of of dealing for Quintana to begin with, and that's why we have to point at Theo right there. Yeah, yeah, you got it, Matt. It, it, it's it's absolutely true. Look, if Quintana and Darvish were pitching like the twos and threes that they should be, like Darvish should be a two, and Quintana should be a three, a real good three that you feel good about. Then all of a sudden you're like talking about Kyle Hendricks as your four. Boy, that's fun. Remember we fantasized about this kind of stuff, thought that's the way this kind of stuff would be. Quintana, you traded Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for a guy who got skipped the first time through the rotation. Woof. And that includes in a series in, uh, in Texas where they're heavily left-handed. And I know they said they wanted to do that so they could set him up for Milwaukee, but they pitched him in relief in Texas. Woof. Got skipped the first time through as the number one prospect in baseball. If he's not number one, he's what, number three? Eloy? It's, it's Vlad Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. and then Eloy Jimenez Sr. or whatever. Everybody's a junior. But, you know, so Quintana and Darvish being what they are now is far more damaging, in my opinion, than even the bullpen issues. Because, well, it's just, first of all, it's more innings. It's more innings of the season that you're allotting. And it's it, it just kind of throws you into into disarray when those guys are are bad. The domino effect of having to go to the bullpen so early, and then w- the next game and the next game and the next game. So brutal. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. The playoff bound Chicago Wolves are home today at four, and the Wolves look to clinch their third straight division title. Celebrate the 25th anniversary season with free parking courtesy of Kia and discounted concessions. Visit ChicagoWolves.com. You know what um, Theo it, it did last year, though? Grab Cole Hamels. Made a terrific trade for Cole Hamels, and then had to keep Cole Hamels, and that cost some money. But made a terrific trade for Cole Hamels, which helped a lot down the stretch. And guess who was great last night? Cole Hamels was great last night, and in fact, Joe Madden leaning on Cole Hamels, this is what I loved, is that, is that Hamels was given an at-bat in the sixth inning because, you know what, lean on the damn starters. When you can, lean on them. And he actually drove in a run with a sacrifice fly, which was a lovely little bonus, but then he gave them one more inning. That was great to see. It's the score. It's Ron on the south side on 670. The score on hit and run. Good morning, Ron. What's happening? Hey, man. Again, man, just congratulations. I can listen to you every day talk baseball, so let's get that out of the way. <laughs> um, and when I spoke with you yesterday, I did tell you I was looking forward to watching um, the Alito pitch. And I know it's a different lineup between um, Seattle and Kansas City, but, it, but you just mentioned consistency, mental yeah. consistency. When you talked about John Lester. And it's going to be some days you don't have your stuff. But, man, how does he lose his mechanics? He, again, he's falling back off on the pitch mound. So, I, I, I don't know. All the good stuff. And you, you, you know, I'm a kind of Tim, really looking good. But uh, that, I, I just can't figure, figure this guy out, you know. So, that's pretty much it. And, again, man, just looking forward to hearing you um, every Sunday. Man. And baseball is and always will be like. Ron, oh, Ron remembers. Thank you, man. 
Yeah, Ron, Ron goes back to the old, old days of the score. You got to understand, when I started at the score as a producer, in, actually as an intern in 1994 for McNeil and Boers, right? That, that's me. And um, then eventually I moved my way up to weekend producer, Eli Hershkovich. I was a Sunday morning producer, my first shift ever for Dave Baum and Steve Rosenblum. I overslept, by the way. Oh, my God. I overslept and I came in and I was terrified. And Dave Baum, the chat champ, looked at me and he said, you want to be in this business? I said, yeah, I do. He said, then you can never, ever do that again. I said, okay, all right. And I'd like to say I've never done that again. But I, yeah, I might have. Um, but anyway, uh, and, and then Mike North gave me a shot, man. We did a thing called Baseball City on the North. Uh, was it the North Morning Show? It was, maybe it was North and Jiggets. I forget which one. And I used to say baseball is life. And then that was a thing. And Ron remembers that. So appreciate it. Anyway, Lucas Giolito. I, I, I don't know, man. I think, I think pitching's really hard. That's, that's what I think. I think being consistent with your mechanics is incredibly difficult. And I think it's harder for tall, lanky guys with really long limbs. Now, that could be me completely talking out of my butt. I'll ask Ryan Dempster about it. Ryan, if you're listening, feel free to call me on stuff like that. But anyway, it's like... It's it's just hard, and when things go bad, it can fall apart really easily. It takes a crazy amount of mental fortitude. What's interesting is that for Giolito in Kansas City, remember he walked the first guy, and then he got 19 people out in a row. Yesterday, for the Sox, he walked the first guy, and then he walked three more, and he gave up five runs and a bunch of hits and all kinds of stuff. So, man, consistency, repeatable mechanics— it's just a huge, huge deal. This scoreboard update. Actually, no scoreboard update. The bottom of the hour. Also brought to you by Campland RV. It's Campland RV's huge tent event from April 5th through the 14th. Find great deals just in time for camping season. Go to CamplandRV.com for details. Campland RV buying made easy. Just a short drive off I-94 in northwest Indiana. To the phones we stick. Riles in Gridley, you're on the score. Hello, Riles. Hey, Steve. Um, I also think you're the right man for this job. Uh, you love baseball, you know baseball, and you seem to genuinely like uh, talking to your listeners. So, boy. Thanks, Riles. Um, and uh, before I get to my question for you, I want to say that echo your sentiments. Although I'm a Cardinal fan, I really like the way Schwarber is playing. Um, his willingness to go to the opposite field. That's something that a lot of other people don't do. And, boy, does he respect 90. He really does. Okay, now here's my question. As a Cardinal fan, I've seen this really hurt them. Um, Which do you think is worse, giving up an 0-2 base hit or um, walking a guy after he's got somebody 0-2? Because that just drives me crazy. Well, walking a guy after you got him 0-2 is more maddening to me. Is more maddening to me because then you're just nibbling. I, I oh man, I, I, I hate nibblers. It's a fine line. Obviously, you want to throw your strikes on the corners. You want to, uh, you don't want to put something right down the middle. But, but my God, it, it, if there is a consistent thing that we've heard forever from pitching coaches, from managers, trust your defense, right? Trust your stuff. Trust your defense. Throw strikes. So that's 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 more maddening to me. This is Dwayne in Naperville on the score. What's up, Dwayne? Good morning. Hey, man. The, the, thanks for taking my call. I love listening to you. Um, and I, I didn't actually catch that uh, 
press conference from Theo yesterday. I, I was listening on the radio. Mm-hmm. But uh, now that he brings that up, like, okay, let's allocate the resources here for a minute. If we're going to... If we're going to give up 10 or 12 runs or score two touchdowns to win, at what point do we give the offense a break and bring some pitchers in, bring them up, trade, whatever, release them, but get them on the mound and teach them how to play? Uh, I mean, I'm a money ball guy going all the way back you know, 20 years ago. You are who the back of your baseball card says you are. That you know Your opponent is going to hit one out of three for a base hit, and – it doesn't matter who the pitcher is. That's how it goes. I I believe anyway in life. Uh, well, which strikes, numbers? Get some people out. Which, which numbers on the back of the baseball card? Thank you for the call, Dwayne. Um, because the numbers that are on the back of the baseball card now, frankly, I I don't think they're the same ones that used to be on the back of the baseball card. And the numbers that that the front office guys pay attention to are are certainly not the ones that were on the back of the baseball card growing up. If you're talking about results being what they are. Well, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with stuff where, like, sometimes pitchers get acquired because they like certain things about them that aren't evident in the stats. They like spin rates, or they like, uh, you know, the action on their pitches, or they like certain things like that. And there have been a ton of success stories, a ton of them. Look in Houston. Houston, where they, like, say, you know what? Charlie Morton guy, I think, is on the cusp of a breakout. And, and we're going to do something special with him. And they bring in guys and do it. I mean, there's it, it, Jake Arrieta is a success story along those lines. And look at Jake Arrieta. If you're trusting the back of the baseball card, then, then you wouldn't have got Jake Arrieta. No, no, no. Sometimes, sometimes you're just wrong. Sometimes you're super smart and you're doing it for all the right reasons and you just end up wrong. Darvish... It, the disaster of Darvish is one that I just I can't get over because I keep thinking about it. And really, when you look at let's let's say back of the baseball card for him, has you Darvish ever pitched up to the capability of his stuff? Have his stats and results ever been in the big leagues up to the quality of his stuff? Ever? There have been stretches. There have been stretches, but I don't know that there's ever been a full year where you look like, yeah, man. I mean, even look at the numbers in Texas. When he was overwhelming with the stuff, but not with the results. I mean, my favorite GIF, and it is GIF, jerks, it is GIF. My favorite GIF in baseball history is the one of Darvish throwing five pitches at the same time, and you see five different pitches going in five different directions at five different speeds, and it's all overlaid together to look exactly alike, and it's Albert Pujols hitting against them, and it's like, oh, God, how could you hit that? How could you hit any of those? let alone one when you're expecting some of the other ones to come. But, but the results have not been there. So what is it? What is it in these guys that, 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 that is difficult? Man, it's whatever Kyle Hendricks has, some of these guys with better stuff don't, right? Whatever it is. What, and, and that is a laser-like focus. That is a mental toughness. It is a relentless commitment to detail and preparation, that, that's the stuff that I think is, is missing from some of these guys. Tony's in Champagne on the score. Hello, Tony. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Great. Um, I got a question. The talk you're getting about Epstein saying, point it at me. It's all my fault. My question is, the people he's hired, for example, Madden, yeah. is he kind of by saying it's all on him that it's also the people he's hired? Is he... Kind of putting the blame on Madden by saying that. I think that he's trying to do the exact opposite. 
Right? He's trying he's trying to put the pressure on himself and take away the scapegoats. I know he didn't mention Joe by name. He mentioned the pitting pitching coach and he mentioned Tom Ricketts with the money, but I don't know how you could hear him pointing at Madden with that. Well, he is the one responsible for the hiring of the people. And if he is pointing at him, maybe he's pointing at that too. Yeah, you know, I don't think so. I think there are other things that Theo has done that the front office has has enacted things that have been said, moves that have been made that have pointed at Joe. I think those have been fairly obvious. And some of them probably we've played up too much in the media, as we do. But um, th- this one, no. He, he, when he says it's all on him, I think he means it's all on him. And, and that's where I've let the focus be this morning, is talking about the allocation of those resources. Uh, but he said a lot of good and some bad. He's right about a lot of good. Daniel Descalso looks like a very solid little pickup. I know it's a it's a low end free agent, but he can hit, he can defend, he's a solid solid player. Even though Ben Zobrist comes in <clears throat> as a defensive replacement for him last night, right? Which is always entertaining. That entertained me last year when Ben Zobrist was your defensive replacement for Daniel Murphy. But hey, it is what it is. It's six seventy. The score. It is hit and run on Sunday mornings. I love learning stuff about our teams from Chris Kampka. You will learn next as well. And Ryan Dempster at the top of the hour here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Hit and Run. Matt Spiegel here with you on Sunday mornings. Let's get ourselves connected with Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago. Not on that line, though, Spiegel. Nobody's on that line. Excuse me. This is Chris Kampka from NBC Sports Chicago. You see him on the Twitters, at C Kampka. Uh, I think they call you the Sultan of Stat over there. Is that right, Chris? Well, that's one of the names that you can repeat on air. <laughs> yeah. That's one of them. I, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the bit uh, Cam Connections, uh, which is why I played Connected there by the Stereo MCs. But... I, I love the work that you do uh, all during the week as you're watching Cubs, as you're watching Sox, and connecting some dots uh, historically or maybe with other things around the league. And I thought for those of us, uh, for those of our listeners who are not glued to the Twitter, that maybe we would bring you on uh, once a week and you could give us some of your favorite nuggets from the Cubs and Sox week that was. Sound okay? Well, I- yeah, that sounds great. By the way, for all those who are not glued to the Twitter, I commend you um, <laughs> because that's hard to not be, and I wish I could, but yeah. I just can't get away from it. I understand. I understand. But uh, I'm glad you like the idea, and it's especially since I already ran it by you on uh, on Twitter message. As a matter of fact, was was where it happened. Um, all right. So so tell me tell me what you got. Start with the socks because it's been it's been a satisfying opening week to 10 days, I would I would say, for the White Sox in a lot of ways. It has. It has. And, and the thing that stands out, obviously, is Yon Moncada. He's looking like the guy who was the number one prospect in major leagues. He's in 379 with a 438 on base and a 724 slugging. Woof. But I think the thing that everyone's looking at are the strikeouts. He has six strikeouts through seven games, and he has six extra base hits through seven games. So he has the same amount extra base hits as strikeouts, which looks amazing. And and just, you know, if you're just hearing that and you're not really familiar of how rare that is, so let's take a look at last year's full season. Mm-hmm. 
and who had more extra base hits or at least the same amount of extra base hits as strikeouts in 2018 with a minimum of two extra base hits to get rid of all those guys with one apiece. Okay. It's Jose Ramirez, 81 extra base hits and 80 strikeouts. And then William Zastadio had eight extra base hits and three strikeouts. That's the entire list. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's unlikely that he would would keep it up, but who knows? But so far, this is what we're looking at, and he's a one-for-one extra base hit to strikeout ratio, which is phenomenal. For a guy who struck out out 217 times last year. Right, and of course, the fun stat is that's one more than Nelly Fox had in his entire career. But obviously, you know why that's a flawed kind of number, because Nelly Fox is not anywhere near the same player as Yon Makata. But back to the strikeouts. So he only has six through seven games. That's fifth on his own team. So <laughs> there's progress already. Um, but I think one of the biggest things about those strikeouts were last year, 85 of them were looking. That led the league by 26. This year, he has six strikeouts. None of them have been looking. Hmm. All the swinging variety. So it's a different game. Uh, 33.4 strikeout percentage last year. He's down to 18.8 so far. Which, so, which... I mean, so far, so good. I mean, things could change, of course, but this is all we have to work with right now, these seven games. And you got to love what you've seen. Yeah, it's very I- extremely manageable strikeout rate. My God, I mean, you'd accept these days, would people would accept, what, about 25% even? Right. Is, yeah. is, is oh, it, yeah, 25, is ex- mm-hmm. no problem. Okay. I would say under 30, under 30. Give me under 30 with, you know, I still want to see him draw some walks, and I, and I know that the eye is there, and then the power is there. And that combination, yeah, you're gonna love it, especially yeah. with that vicious swing that he has. It's just beautiful. Well, Ho- 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 he- Jose Ramirez is is an absurd standard to have hit, and that's it gives you some context as to how good Moncada has been because people do not strike out as rarely as 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 Ramirez does or Jose Ramirez as Ramirez does and hit for that kind of power. All right, uh, switch switch sides yeah. of town for me, Chris. Give me your favorite uh, on the Cubs, be it good or bad, as a matter of fact. All right, let's let's start with this. Hey, the Cubs lead the majors in batting average with 307. Hey, the Cubs lead the majors in on-base percentage, 399. They're fourth in slugging with 519. They're second in runs per game with seven and a half runs a game. 10 runs in four of their first eight games. And this is the first time they've done that, the Cubs, since 1879. And, and, and kind of how ridiculous is this? Baseball almost breaks down to where we can't even recognize it in 1879. For example, Frank Chance of the fabled Tinker to Evers, the Chance double play combo, was two and a half years old. All right. They had an 83 game season that year. It took nine balls to draw a walk. And home plate was 45 feet away from the pitcher's mouth. So this is what we're, that's how ridiculous that is and, and how crazy it is wow. to score 10 or more runs in four of your first eight games. However, their team whip is higher than their team win total. <laughs> so their team whip their team whip is 2.02. Their team wins is just 2. Oh. <laughs> so that's that's the hang up and that's why they're two and six right now. Eight point three eight runs a game allowed is more than a run more than the next highest team. So that's an issue. Yeah, it's an issue and it's an issue 
that only the early season uh, stats could possibly represent. The whip being higher than the wins is really unfortunate. All right, Chris, we'll do this every week. I'm looking forward to it, man. And uh, sometimes it'll be one nugget from each side of town. Sometimes we'll do a few. We'll, we'll figure out different ways to play with this stuff. But I, I love the work you do, and I appreciate your collaboration. That's for sure. Hey, thanks, man. I'm thrilled to be on. And by the way, yes, um, catch Cubs at Brewers today. Uh, 12.30 pregame, 1 o'clock game on NBC Sports Chicago. Well, now we have a war because I think people should catch Cubs pregame here at 6.70. The score, thanks, at 12.30 p.m. And then listen to the broadcast. Then you get to hear that awesome song, too, that you've got the Cubs game on the score song that everyone loves so much. All right. Um, thank you to Chris Kampka, at C. Kampka on the Twitters. It's Matt Spiegel here with you. It is Hit and Run, our inaugural show for 2019. Ryan Dempster's here, and he's going to come in and co-host with me for a while. And that's next. I'm looking forward to it on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.